Since the Jim Davis Show. Call or text the team line at 970-242-1340. Colorado's sports leader, the team. o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim and Kate, today from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. We're talking Rockies last hour. We're talking at the very end of the hour. We're talking a little more about the Rockies. We have the Cubs today, by the way, in spring training out in Arizona. We'll also have our Wrigley Field Cover Sports Trivia in just a little bit. They are the home of the $15 lunch guarantee. If you don't get it in 15 minutes or less, you only pay half for it. And I believe today is Chicken Fried Steak Day at Wrigley Field. Oh, oh, their chicken fried steak is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. Put a little gravy on it. Oh, mashed potatoes and gravy. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. He'll be coming up at 10 this morning, by the way, Jim Rome. Not Frank Caliendo. No, not Frank Caliendo. As far Caliendo. as we know. No. The the genuine article, the real McCoy, the real Jim Rome coming up at 10 this morning. All right, so uh, 901. And do we ever, we did our winner, right? We did for, the winner. for who is it? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, we did. Okay. Steve. So we got a lot going on. The, love the conversation with the Fruitamon Boys basketball team, our team's team of the week. Uh, don't forget, we'll have uh, Wildcats Eagle Crest tonight, pregame at 5.15, right here on the team in the uh, Grade 8 in the 6A basketball tournament. Should mention that um, Grade 8 action is already underway. The uh, number 6 Horizon girls, they're 23-2 and two against uh, number 3 Legend, 23-2. and two, So that's going on right now at the Coliseum. And so your rest of your, your girls' action today with uh, number 6 Horizon, number 3 Legend, uh, number 12 Rock Canyon against number 4 Valor Christian, number 1 Cherokee Trail against number 9 Mullen, number 2 Cherry Creek against number 7 Regis. And so um, those are your 6A girls basketball matchups today. So for the boys, got uh, number 5 Rock Canyon, they're 20-5 and five against number 4 Thunder Ridge, they're 20-5, and five, and that starts next hour at 10-15. Number 6 Valor Christian, 23 and 2 against number 3 Chaparral. They're 20 and 5. That's a 115 today. Then the top seed for a monument 25 and 0 against number 8 Eagle Crest 18 and 7. That's at 5:30 tonight. 5:15 pregame on the team and then number 2 Mountain Vista. They're 21 and 4 against number 7 Smoky Hill 19 and 6. So, state basketball tournament action underway this morning already over at the Denver Coliseum. All right, to 903 Jim along with uh, Cake today. Of course, the Rockies and into spring training coming off the win against the Angels yesterday, 3-1. to one. So there are five managers, according to Jim Bowden on The Athletic. Five. That are on the hot seat to start the season. Is Bud Black one of them? We're going to let you know. We will start out with number five. Derek, excuse me, pardon me. We'll start with not Derek Shelton yet. Pedro Grafal of the White Sox. It's his second season as a manager. And the good thing for Grafal is that he's got a really good relationship with Chris Getz, the GM. They go way back. But. 
But last year, his first year, it was bad. They were bad. Def- White Sox were terrible defensively. A lot of adversity. Of course, he was replacing Tony La Russa. And they finished a very Rocky-like 61-101. and 101. Replacing Tony La Russa, by the way, not like, you know, legendary, you know, World Series winning Tony La Russa. This was sleep on the in the dugout, old man snoring Tony La Russa. Receivers in St. Louis for... Hey, we ever we ever get pool close in the lineup? Okay, so number four, number four, the aforementioned Bud Black. There it is. Two thousand three hundred ninety-four games as a manager. Spent nine years with the Padres. Last seven with the Rockies. But uh, the Rockies have finished in fourth place in the National League West three times since twenty nineteen. Last place the last two years, Oof. including last year. Yeah. 59 and 103. First 100 loss season in franchise history. Black has not had a winning season since 2018 when they went 91 and 72. I remember that season. Yeah. I remember when the Rockies were in contention for the playoffs. They were a wild card team. And you had Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story. You had an up and coming pitching rotation. Yeah. Freeland was good back then. You had really good closers. You know, but Bud has not even won 75 games in any of the last four seasons. Ouch. With the exception of 2020, which, of course, was COVID and shortened. Ouch. Bud is under under contract through this year. I was going to say, they signed him to an extension not that long ago, didn't they? And through through 2025. Could they decide to go with somebody that, because it's a young roster, that's a younger manager. Could they make that decision? Could the Monforts do that? Here's why they may not. Okay. Because it's Dick Monfort and his... That's all the reason you need. Propensity to be extremely loyal to people. Loyal and cheap. But at some point, though, even a guy like Dick Monfort, as much as he values loyalty, that if the Rockies lose 100 games again somebody's head has to be on the chopping block. And it's certainly not going to be Dick or Charlie Monfort. It's probably not going to be Bill Schmidt. It's probably going to be Bud Black, who they would probably say, hey, Bud, how would you like to have an advisory role? It wouldn't be a a full-out... Come work in the front office as a scout. Public square, guillotine kind of thing. It would be, how would you like to stay here and move into a different role? To which his answer would be, well, yeah, you know, um, I would like that, right? I mean, uh, you know, you know, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, you know, I, I, that's baseball. Now I got a, I got a parking space still, right? That's just baseball. And and here's the thing for Bud Black, and we've said this pretty much ad nauseum. If the Rockies lose 100 games again, it's probably not going to be his fault. No, probably not. He'll have that, his moments because he has he has the occasional like what did you do, you know, managerial decision that every manager, every coach that has ever been sort of the the main guy has had moments of like what on God's green earth did you just do like you know leave the right. pitcher in too long or bring the bullpen guy up too soon 
or not go with this batting order. Why, you know. why didn't you give Charlie Blackman another day of rest because he went out and tweaked his hammy? You know. Or or what? Or why did you sign off on them getting Ian Desmond? Or Every you know, single head coach or head manager has done something like that that's cost their team a game, and that happens. For Bud Black, though, like you said, if the Rockies win 100, or win it well, if they win 100 games this year, something's gone <laughs> well, horribly well, wrong. Make what? Make, yeah, make peace with your maker because has something, something's has something transpired that I'm not aware of about the Rockies. They're going to win 100 games this year. Look, if they win 100 games this year, I will eat my shoe on air live. Did right they go and the trade team. for the entire Atlanta Braves team? Did they accidentally yeah. switch jerseys with the LA Dodgers for five months? Yeah. I mean, what is there something that I'm not aware of? No, but in the case of Bud Black, I can't see it being a case where it's a a nasty breakup because there's too much loyalty, love. There's too much respect there, and and it, it will be a hey, bud. We have to make a move here. It's not. It's not been your fault necessarily, but the fans are ready to lose their mind. The barbarians are ready to tear down the gates here at Coors Field. We've got to make a move, and that move's probably you not being the manager anymore. But we still want you here. We still want you involved. You can advise the new manager and and you'll still have a nice role here and bud's in the point in his life where i don't know how much longer he wants to manage it's not like he's 70 or anything yet no but he's, but but he's, he's, he's retirement age it's that point where he may may look at an advisory role as being a nice opportunity to spend more time to you know going fishing and 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 less stress in his life yeah for a team that's gonna be that's, that's a very young team and will he have the patience to continue to to guide a young baseball team? It seems like he does at this point in time. But at some point, fans are going to demand some kind of change. Ownership's not going anywhere. The manager could be, though, going someplace else. Oh, well, at least not, not managing the Rockies anymore, but still in the organization. Right. At least that's, that's the vibe, the feeling, the theory that I have moving forward with Bud Black. Number three, they have Derek Shelton, the Pirates. He's now been the Pirates manager for five years. And um, you know, here's the thing, though. The ownership of the Pirates has been criticized for for being cheap. And in, in that's been really been brought into the forefront in the last uh, week or so. And so Pirates went 19 and 41 in 2020 in the COVID year. 61, 101 in 2021. 62 and 100 in 2022. But last year... They didn't lose 100 games. Hey, They went 76 and 86. Hey, if you're a Rockies fan, you would have taken that last year and not thought twice about it. One of the things I find interesting about this athletic article, too, they have the their challenge rate for challenging calls. And for Bud Black, 50%, 50.2. So it's not bad. No. That he's been able to get overturned. Derek Shelton has a 42.3% success rate in getting calls overturned. They do have a really good young core. O'Neill Cruz, who missed most of last season, the big shortstop, is a phenomenal talent. Cabrian Hayes at third base. He won a gold glove last year. Uh, center field Jack Sawinski is really good. They have an outstanding starting pitcher in Mitch Keller. Brian Reynolds is a pretty good player. They've, they've got a lot in... Got the, the old grizzled veteran Andrew McCutcheon that's still producing. 
They've got some players. They've got some talent there. And they've tried to build up the rotation a little bit in the bullpen. They brought in Araldus Chapman, who's been with pretty much everybody now, but also a veteran guy like Marco Gonzalez. Division, it's not up for grabs in, in the National League Central. No. You expect the Cardinals to bounce back. Cubs, we'll see what happens after the Bellinger re-signing. They, they obviously, I think, are a contender in that division. The Cardinals, so they're looking for a big bounce back here. Uh, in that division. So Derek Shelton's number three of the Pirates of, of managers that are on the hot seat as we head to, toward the start of the Major League Baseball season. Oliver Marmel with the Cardinals, third year as the skipper there. He has a success rate of uh, getting calls overturned at 55.6%. So as a rookie manager, he was really good. They were 93 and 69. They they won the Central, got knocked down the wild card round. The last year was a different story. Yeah. They were dreadful last year. Not Rocky's dreadful. But dreadful enough. 71 and 91, considering the talent that they have. So they did sign, they signed Wilson Contreras to the five-year $87.5 million deal last year. And um, then there was the thing where Marmel said that, he, that Contreras was not going to be the catcher and he had DH or play left field. And then Marmel changed his mind. And Gutierrez went back to being the catcher. Marmel also got criticized for calling out players in the media instead of talking to them directly first and giving players set days off despite needing them in close games. And then there was the Jordan Walker debacle. If you remember that? Oh, yeah. Made the team out of spring training. And then he got sent to the minors after just 20 games, even though he was hitting 274 with two bombs and 11 RBIs. And then when Walker came back, he hit 338 in June with four home runs and nine RBIs. Gee, it's almost like if you kept that guy on, you he would have contributed. Maybe you wouldn't lose as many games. The feeling is, at least from this piece, is that the Cardinals analytics department, they had way, they were in his ear, in Marmel's ear, way too much. And he, and he ended up with a pitching staff that had a 4.79 ERA, which was near the bottom half of Major League Baseball. And then, so the offseason, they, they put a priority on pitching because it wasn't very good. Getting Sonny Gray and Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson. Talent's there. There's no doubt about it in St. Louis with Nolan Arenado and company. But Oliver Marmel's definitely got a very short leash in year number two. Yeah. And then John Schneider of the Blue Jays. It's his third season guiding the Blue Jays. Took them to wildcard bursts in each of the past two years. So he has 35.5% success rate when getting calls overturned. It's the worst among managers coming back. And the Blue Jays have had talent out the wazoo. Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., George Springer, they brought in as a free agent from the Astros. That this team should be a big-time American League contender. And yet... And yet, they lost to the Twins in the wild card round. Very yeah. mid. Where Schneider was criticized say. for taking out Jose Barrios, who was, who was dealing in that game, went to the bullpen, and they got smacked around and lost. Oof. And the Twins went on and, and won that wild card series two games to none. So Don Mattingly's there, former Yankee, 
former big league manager. He's the bench coach. So the feeling is John Schneider, not to be confused from the with the guy from the Dukes of Hazard. Not that guy. Is he Bo or Luke? Can remember which Duke boy he was. I will find out. Anyway, John Schneider, this one, the manager of the Blue Jays. I don't know if we'll be jumping the, the General Lee across a bridge or something like that, or across a river, I should say. But uh, he could be looking for another job on the other side of the river. And Don Mattingly might end up being the manager of the Blue Jays if, they, if he has a similar kind of uh, finish to his season. John Schneider was Bo, Bo. on uh, Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. This John Schneider bears no real resemblance to, to the actor, John Schneider. All right, so not not great that Bud Black is on this list, but not a surprise. And again, it comes down to if the team doesn't do well, even if it isn't Bud Black's fault, and it probably won't be in the cosmic scheme of things entirely his fault, save for a few games here or there where he mismanages, he's going to be the scapegoat. Because if, if, okay, if Bud was the reason why... He would have been fired a they, long time ago. They, 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 they would have fired him, yeah, easily two years ago. Certainly after last season when they lost 100 games for the first time. They lost 100 games and he's back. But then Derek Shelton lost 100 games, what, two years in a row, and he was back with the Pirates. But that's where you are right now if you're the Rockies. You are in the same mode as the Pittsburgh Pirates. You got, you got some young talent. Great stadium. Uh, a fan base that that has been patient but starting to lose their patience. Remember when Rockies baseball was absolutely huge? It was huge in this state. Oh, my God. Rocktober. It was, it was incredible. It was a Broncos Super Bowl run-like feeling about them. Mm-hmm. And 07 seems like it was 1807 now. Eons ago. Not 2007. Where there was that kind of excitement, passion about this baseball team. You're going to go back to 2018. Where you felt excited about the future of this team. About the young talent, where it's going. This team has young talent. Tovar, Jones, Doyle. Rogers, if he can stay healthy. It's a talented team. It's got potential to be a talented team. It's got young, young players that could develop into something special. But there's, but there's still this feeling about that they're going to lose hundred games this year. You just feel that. Well, because and and again, it gets back to Bud Black not necessarily being at fault for how this team ultimately fledgles and fails. What did the Rockies do this year? In the offseason, what was their hot stove league? They, they didn't do anything. Exactly. So if you're Kyle going... Quantrill was like their big... From, from the uh, Guardians, that was like the big... That was a big move. splash. Their big splash signing, and he's he's going to be a starter. He's going to be a frontline starter. But that was their big splash signing. That's it. And Kyle I, Quantrill. And I get that you want to sort of... If you're the Monforts, you want to wash away the stench of how the Nolan Arenado trade was handled and how your Chris Bryant free agent signing is going, I get that you want to sort of wash your hands clean of those two giant off-season moves. You want to keep a low profile. You want to keep a low profile (laughs) as best you can. And I don't blame them, but at the same time, 
there has to be something done if you have a team that loses 100 baseball games in a season and you bring back a majority of the roster and the coaching staff and the managerial Here, staff. Yeah. How do you expect anything to be different? Here's okay. Here's where maybe, you know, thought about this a little bit. Maybe this is where you can criticize Bud Black, though. Okay. I mean, you can always criticize the boneheaded in-game decisions that, that do happen to all managers, including Bud Black. Like I was saying earlier, yeah. But could Bud be criticized for not pushing back enough against a Bill Schmidt and the Montforts and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, we, and we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Maybe Bud does air some of these concerns about what are we doing right. in, 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 a, in a variety of areas. Or is, or is Bud just go, okay, that's what we're doing. Okay. I'm all, I'm all, I mean, that's, that's my concern. If, if Bud doesn't question things that they do, doesn't have to be publicly, doesn't have to be in front of, of the cameras and call out Dick Monfort and call mm-hmm. out Bill Schmidt. But if there's no put, pushback by him on, on, on the way they approach things, then, then he does deserve to get fired. Part of me, though, because we talked ad nauseum about loyalty. Part of me thinks that Bud Black is not in the position that he's in now if he does push back on ownership and management. But that should be my job, though. My job should be to make it better. My job is to make us, whether, I, whether it's in the workplace here. I don't disagree. And, and, you, and, you, and management says, hey, we need to be doing this. And, and, you, and you politely, respectfully, professionally go behind closed doors and say, hey, here's why I don't think that's a good idea. And you'll lay out why, with your experience and your knowledge, why it's a bad idea. And I don't. I mean, ultimately, you have to defer. Ultimately, because it's their, it's their shop, it's their team, it's their ship. Right. They have to run it the way they feel like they have to. But good leadership, good ownership, and it's always going to get back to that. That's always going to be the, the sticking point with the Rockies, that people should be allowed, good horses should be allowed to pull the wagon, good people, when they feel like things are not going the way they should be going, that there's bad decisions made by others, those that care should be allowed to say, I think this is a bad idea and here's why. Have some fact behind it. Have have some reasons why. Have some 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 data that backs up your your, your viewpoint on this. But but I, I do get the feeling that, that Bud's probably, and no offense to Bud, probably goes, okay, all right. And there, therein lies that therein lies the problem I have with with Bud, is that that is part of your job though, to say we, we I don't like the way we're developing guys at the minor league level. I don't we need to really look at how we we approach addressing developing pitching at the minor league level, how we approach free agency, what whatever he has a has a concern about, and he's got legitimate fact based opinions on this. I don't know. I that that's the one area I'd go. Yeah, Bud maybe deserves to get fired if if he's just if he just goes along to get along. If he's just coasting, going along to get along. There there comes a point in everybody's career you just go, okay, we'll do that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. It's not worth the fight. It's not worth the hassle. No. To me though, when you get to that point, that's when you have to start going. Yeah, maybe this isn't the best place for me. Maybe I'm not a good fit here anymore because I'm not. I don't have the autonomy to go, I think that's a bad idea. I don't think we should be doing that. And to feel like you're being listened to. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. But if you, if you never 
object when things are when things are falling down around you, poor policies are being implemented. If you don't say something, then you're complicit to that, and you're no and you're no better than anybody else there. Agreed. And I like Bud Black, too. Seen him here a couple times when he's been in town for caravans. Fine gentleman, good guy. We'll see where this all goes. But I, if, if I'm, you know, it's not shocking that Bud is on this list of co- of managers that could get fired because at some point somebody's head has to roll. Somebody's got to take one for the team, and Bud's probably going to be the guy that takes it for the team to placate the fan base. But who knows? Maybe the Rockies don't lose 100 games this year. Maybe they only lose and like ma- and maybe 84. I strap on my jet pack and fly to Mars. Okay. Well. Maybe I'm a brain surgeon. Maybe. Maybe I'm the captain of the Starship Enterprise. James Tiberius Davis. Weekday mornings with the team. <laughs> maybe my tears are refreshing fat tire from New Belgium Brewery and High Country Beverage. Because I'll have a lot of tears. There you go. Probably watching the Rockies this season. 925. We'll take a break. Coming up, we'll have in the garage and ask our Fred uh, on the way next four down territory. But uh, let's go ahead and do it right now. Wrigley Field Cutterville Sports Challenge. You said you have some delightful music to yes to accompany. Well, this. It's, it's the music from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but yeah, it's the uh, okay. same, same. Okay. Very dramatic. I know it's yes. All right, so it's our Wrigley Field Cutterville Sports Challenge question, and they are the home of the fifteen minute lunch guarantee. If you get your lunch. 15 minutes or less, it's great. But if it's over 15 minutes, you get a half price. So either way, you get a great meal. The question is, just do you get it fast or do you get it half off? And I'm an adventure guess. You will not get it half off because it's going to be out there, piping hot. They're pretty fast. Chicken fried steak day today, by the way, over at uh, Wrigley Field. So uh, just uh, north, or excuse me, north, just east. Well, it's a little bit north. Just east of... Sam's Blasio Field. It's on North, north Avenue. Avenue. It's like a just a touch north. Northeast. Just a skosh. Just a skosh. All right. So um, our question today, it's $15 gift certificate to Wrigley Field. Who was the first pitcher the Rockies ever faced in the regular season? Ooh. Was it Greg Maddox, Dwight Gooden, or Ed Whitson? Once again, who was the first pitcher the Rockies ever faced in the regular season? Was it Greg Maddox, Dwight Gooden, or Ed Whitson? If you've won the last two weeks or earlier today, don't play. Otherwise, first correct answer wins today on the team line, 970-242-1340. Once again, final... Final time. Final time. Who was the first pitcher the Rockies ever faced in the regular season? Was it Greg Maddox... Doc Gooden or Ed Whitson. Send your answer in now on the team line, 970-242-1340. They're a lot of fun. The Jim Davis Show. They're idiots. On Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 9.30. Jim along with Keg today. Been to Fort Out Territory in a moment. Love this note from the Black Keys. It's so good. Along with Beck. 
Really? Beck is on this song, yes. Perfect. From, uh, I think the album's called Ohio Players. Yes. Paying tribute to the great R&B funk band of the 70s, the Ohio Players. Of course, Dan and Pat, Dan and our backpack. Patrick Carney are from Ohio. Yep. And, okay, a little quick story on this. Okay. That uh, the Patrick Carney, the drummer of the Black Keys, that his uncle was good friends with a guitarist for Beck when Beck was like 96, like the Odalay tour, he was out on tour and he went to Ohio and Patrick Carney went with his uncle backstage to see this friend that was a guitarist for Beck. And so for Patrick Carney, this was, Beck was like the first legit big time rock star he'd ever met. This is the very formative years right. b- before the Black Keys. And so Patrick Carney and Beck met each other, hit it off, and so they stayed in touch. And then when I think it was the second album came out for the Black Keys that Beck was back in Ohio on tour, Patrick Carney went to the show and said, hey, I'd love you to listen to our new album and give me your thoughts. So Beck listened to it and he said, you guys are amazing. You're going <laughs> to open for me on tour. <gasps> and so this is how their their relationship is has continued for, for a very long time. Love it. Between the Black Keys and, and Beck. And Beck loves to collaborate. He likes to, he was, works with, with a variety of people. I was going to say. So, but uh, yeah, I think the album comes out like in April, I believe. Something that like that. That sounds right. Like April 5th, I, I think is when it comes out. I'm a huge Black Keys fan. So um, I think it's a fantastic song. Uh, the new one from the Black Keys and Beck. All right, it's 932. And it's time to get into Four Down Territory. We're into Four Down Territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, here's a little flashback. Remember, okay. remember Chad Kelly? Ah, yes. One who ruined Von Miller's Halloween party for the rest of us. And uh, got chased out of the people's house with the person using the vacuum cleaner tube. That's right. I forgot. He got chased out of the house. I get forgot about the vacuum broke into their house and the whole picked up. He was all the, drunk. He was all trashed. Well, he's had a, a really good run in the Canadian Football League. Until? Well, Chad Kelly, unfortunately, uh, he's a quarterback now for the Toronto Argonauts, was accused of serious harassment in a wrongful dismissal lawsuit filed by a strength coach last Thursday. Gee. And so it was a pretty serious allegation. It took a full week for the investigation to even be announced. Uh, the plaintiff of this also has notable allegations against the team, in particular executives, and their reception to it's a female, by the way, strength coach. And reports of Kelly's behavior, including that of the general manager, John Murphy, uh, who told her she should not have spoken to Kelly and that she hasn't opened up a can of worms that didn't need to be opened. Oof. The lawsuit was filed and reported on by uh, by TSN in Canada and the response from the team of the league was the league is aware the legal claims have been made by a former employee against the Toronto Argonauts and Mr. Kelly the league is currently reviewing this matter but no further comment at this time and so there's been a lot of criticism of the Argonauts and, and Chad Kelly there was discussions of Kelly getting special treatment considering he is the league's most outstanding player in the Canadian Football League. And so 
this has been there have been some other allegations against other other teams like the Ottawa Red Blacks in the league with, with some of this stuff as well. So, um, and Teague Sherman, by the way, was I think uh, was there. They've had this other problem. Teague Sherman was a player in 2018 with the Ottawa Red Blacks. He got charged with sexual assault on July 12th, and he got cut by the team on July 18th. And so there's some concern that that Chad Kelly, if he wasn't Chad Kelly, that the Argonauts would have already uh, done something, parted ways with him. Yes, yeah, this is not good. Because there was, he was starting to kind of play himself back into the potential of maybe getting another shot in the NFL with the way he played in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Not right now, at least. All right, so um, Skip Bayless, Keyshawn Johnson. <laughs> they had a little uh, dust up on the Undisputed show. Those lines. Billy can have him if they want him. They can have I don't want him. You got a diaper on right I'm now? Because because if Philly get him, you know you're going to need a diaper. Stop. No, no, ain't going to be no stop. You're going to need a diaper if Philly get him. They got Talk about Saquon Barkley, by the way. Good for you, Keyshawn. <laughs> you got a diaper on right now? Good for you, Keyshawn. Anytime somebody gives it to Skip Bayless, I'm in total, totally revel in it, love it, enjoy it immensely. Agreed. All, All right. right. Third and fourth down. Was it this program that was asking about the Avalanche's former mascot? Yes. Okay. Yes, I think that was our question, our Wrigley Field question the other day. So I don't know if you got too deep into this, but so no, we just asked what the name of the mascot was. Howler. Yeah, was it, was Howl- it was Howler. Yes. Okay. So Nine News did a piece on Howler right around the time the Avs won the cup a couple years ago. Because the question was, whatever happened to Howler and how did we end up with Bernie, the Bernese Mountain Dog? More family friendly. Uh, sure. A, he's the St. Bernard. Uh, sure. Yes. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. That's okay. Anyway. So the story goes, in 2001, then McNichols Arena, a fan outside the arena having a cigarette, was wearing her boyfriend's Chicago Blackhawks jersey. Howler was going around bonking fans on the top of the head with a rolled-up poster for anyone who was wearing opposing team's jerseys. Well, this one particular fan did not enjoy that, pushed Howler, Howler pushed back, Howler go bye-bye. So that's what happened to Howler the mascot. And from 2001 to 2009, the Avalanche did not have a mascot. And uh, then in 09, they brought Bernie the St. Bernard. The rest is history. I'd also heard, too, that part of it was it was that, but also they thought kids were afraid of Howler. Because Howler's an abominable <laughs> snowman. He was kind of sure. He was a little scary looking a little bit. Sure, but from from what the, the Nine News piece uncovered, it seems like it was the altercation with a fan that uh, probably... About, it was the guy in the suit, not not the costume that did it. <laughs> How about you fire the guy yes. in the costume and you keep you keep the mask on and say, hey, probably don't bunk people on the head anymore with stuff. It's a, it's a bad look, sure. I don't disagree, but hey, man, I, we don't know the... Yeah, be, being, being the proud owner previously of a St. Bernard, we had three when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Love St. Bernard's. They're, they're, they're wonderful dogs. Make sure you have a lot of room and a lot of uh, towels. They put slobber. Um, Howler was a far better mascot than Bernie the St. Bernard. Far better mascot. Fair enough. Fourth down. Jay Billis. Beep. Beep. 
backing up his comments about court storming and how they should detain everybody and give everybody a ticket. Well, he recently said, I'm not trying to arrest college kids. Really, Jay? Because that's not what you said. Yeah, that's what he said was You that. said everybody, which we assume most of them are going to be college kids, because this is college basketball that we're talking about. You said detain everybody, give everybody a fine. What do you think the word detain means, Jay? Would mean arrest. That would mean, even if you, even if you don't necessarily put them all in cuffs, there's the the word arrest is is the you know the the important thing. And Jay Billis, your comments were already stupid enough. Now this backtracking. Well, I didn't mean to arrest all the college kids. It, Stop digging. Stop it. Anyway, that's Fort Out Territory. All right, 939. Time for this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, it's one this day in sports history, but also on this leap day, some interesting leap day sports facts. But 1980, Gordie Howe, his 800th career goal comes on this day, February 29th, 1980. He's 51, and the Red Wings icon becomes the first player to reach that figure and remains the only player to score a goal at least 50 years or older. Wayne Gretzky, 94, Alex Ovechkin, 838, are the only two other players to score 800 career goals. And he did it when he was 51. <laughs> Take that, Tom Brady. The ageless wonder. So a couple other things on this leap day today. That on this day in NBA history, eight players have scored exactly 29 points on Leap Day. This is okay. from the Elias Sports Bureau. Derek Rose and Rodney Stuckey each did it last. Each did the last time in 2012. Also on this day, the Celtics—they don't play today, but they're the winningest team on Leap Day with a nine and two record and an eight. Uh, 0.818 winning percentage. Warriors are second. The Lakers are third. So there you go. Some uh, leap day numbers for you today. All right, 941. We'll take a break. We'll come back in the garage of NASCAR. Fred's on the way next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Now, to anyone out there who wants to go fast, anybody. I want to go fast. All right, it's time to go in the garage and NASCAR Fred. It's brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan. Not just a better deal, a better dealership for pricing information. Go to their website, MontroseFordNissan.com. He joins us from the great state of Iowa. It's NASCAR Fred. Hello, Fred. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. If you like close finishes, well, this was for you on Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, by the hair of his chinny-chin-chin, <laughs> Daniel Suarez wins by 0. 0.003 seconds in a photo finish to uh, to, win, to win Atlanta on Sunday. That That's the third closest margin, in case you were wondering. 
in NASCAR history. There have been a couple that were point zero zero two at the Talladega and Darlington, but pretty close. What I'm thinking is, how's it feel to be Kyle Busch? You finish seven uh, seven one thousandths of a second back, and you're in third place. Yeah, you're, just, you're like, well, this just doesn't seem <laughs> fair. And if you're Ryan, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And if you're Ryan Blaney, I mean, you you are right there. Uh, right. With, 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 you know, 0.0003 seconds, Bush 007. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're, if you're those two guys, you feel like something's just not right. Something's not fair, man. We, we ran incredible races, and we lose by less than, than what, half a second uh, at Atlanta. Yeah, they, they're doing, I saw a thing about comparison, you know, just how much how much time that actually is. Talk about the blink of an eye. Well, with what an act, a normal eye blink is, if you if you blink, you'd miss about 30 replays of this, that time in between. It's just, oh, unimaginable. You, the photo finish, you can see there's not more than six inches separating them. And, man, that's that's great. And not just two cars, but three. Three wide to the start-finish line. It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, yeah, get a little bit. Yeah, you know, three wide, you know, finish. That, that was just incredible Atlanta. And uh, Daniel Suarez uh, now has joined William Byron. They've already uh, clinched their spot in the playoffs, so we're just now three weeks into the season. Here's an interesting statistic from Sunday's race, too. 37 cars entered. Five of them were not involved in a wreck during the race. Just, just five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was an incredible, wild you know, uh, race at Atlanta. The, the 16-car crash, 10 cautions for 65 laps. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the two Daytona 500 winners uh, wrecking at the you know, at the, the start of pit road. Uh, all the four wide racing, the three you know the three wide finish as well. Atlanta had a little something for everybody. If you love NASCAR, yeah, sure did. And they're talking about the difference from Daytona. Uh, Daytona, they're kind of close on fuel. Everybody's kind of hanging back, trying to save some fuel. It wasn't an issue this race. Everybody was just going for broke, and uh, <laughs> that's how it worked out. So. Yeah. So for you, so for you, obviously the, the finish was 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 thrilling. But who was the biggest surprise in terms, of maybe a top five or top ten finish for you, Fred at Atlanta? Uh, well, the thing you got to notice really is front row racing. They they're just uh, they're looking to make some noise this year. We're talking Michael McDowell in the thirty four, uh, Todd Gilliland in the thirty eight. I'm not sure where Gilliland finished. He was eleventh or twelfth, something like that. But Michael McDowell in eighth place finish and uh you know it used to be oh yeah michael mcdowell he's kind of good on the road courses and but uh the, they're really getting serious about things we're gonna have to watch those those guys uh um other than that good finish for bubba wallace good uh, ty gibbs he's probably gonna gonna win a, a race or two before the season's over no big surprises we're in the garage in nascar fred brought to you by montrose for nissan that's just a better deal a better dealership for pricing information go to montrose for nissan.com so before we talk about Las Vegas coming up, uh, we'll, we'll take a look at uh, something from the broadcasting side of things for NASCAR with uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, apparently he's working on a new contract with uh, NBC Update. Uh, can you, do you have any details on this? I really don't know much about that one. Um, you know, if they're just talking, then anything could happen at this point. But uh, um, it's he really has settled into you know to that. That broadcasting. Oh, I'm trying trying to find the, something current. Yeah, I've, on this yeah, I've, I've got that, I've uh, got I've got the story on it here a while back that NBC and USA okay. Network, uh-huh. uh, you know, their portion of the NASCAR Cup and Xfinity's broadcast schedule 
Uh, we'll find out later in June. But Dale Earnhardt doesn't have a contract there yet. But apparently, this is the uh, the update on this that he is working. I, I'm on, on the update on this that he is working on a new deal with NBC. But uh-huh. uh, but also the Athletics reporting that uh, he's going to leave NBC to move to Amazon Prime. So, but there's also that, that would be interesting. I, you know, I mean, they, we've talked about how they're they're kind of moving toward the streaming for some of the races. There, uh, I think five races next year that are only going to be on Peacock and things like that. Um, so it sounds like he's going to leave NBC and go to Amazon. Is what it is what it's starting to sound right. like. Well, um, you know, he may know something we don't. I personally wouldn't think it would be the the best move in terms of you know a high visibility gig but uh you know maybe you know maybe that's the trend the the streaming services are kind of in the ascendancy and amazon prime they're you know they've got the thursday night football and all this so maybe they're maybe that's the maybe that's the horse to jump on i don't know yeah i i know with the with supercross and the nationals that uh, the peacock has has both of those those events uh-huh. and so from a from a motorsport standpoint i know it's not not cars but it's bikes but but i i wouldn't be surprised at some point if somebody like an Amazon or an Apple throws enough money at NASCAR, they they may consider at least part of the schedule going over to, to just a streaming part of, of NASCAR. Yeah, well, like we said, they've announced that already that in 2025, there are going to be, I believe, five races during NBC's section of things, five races that it will just be on Peacock. But I can see an even so, bigger, uh, a bigger swath of that perhaps going over to yeah. Amazon or, or to even more races on Peacock, more than just the the five races they're going to have. I think it's probably going to move in that direction. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what Fox is going to do, you know, if, if it starts going in that direction, but they'll figure something out. I'm sure. Okay. Anything else uh, off the track that uh, you want to bring up today? Well, uh, we've got a couple of penalties from last week. Uh, it's interesting. <laughs> Joey Logano, did you know it's illegal to have webbing between the thumb and index finger of your glove on your left hand? Really? Why? Why is that a problem? What's 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 the deal with that? Why? Well, with these super speedways, you know, when they when they qualify, they they trying to get every little aerodynamic advantage they can. So you hold your hand up there between the window net and the A pillar, just to block that air from coming in, so a little bit less drag. Well, he he did that, and he had a webbing between the the thumb and forefinger of his glove to kind of block a little bit more air and NASCAR came down on him for that. They fined him $10,000. That's a, an unapproved modification of a safety part. So uh, I can't say I've ever heard that <laughs> happen before. I, I don't think I have either. I mean, the, the thing with guys putting their hand up there like that to block the air while they're going down the straightaway, that's, that's no new thing. They've been doing that for a long right. time. But just to, Coming up with a special glove to, to aid with that. I guess that's pushing the envelope a little too far. I guess so. We're in the garage of NASCAR. <laughs> Fred brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan. Get information at MontroseFordNissan.com. So uh, let's move to Las Vegas, Fred. I know you've been out to that race. So when you lived here, you were out to that race uh, uh, on more than one occasion. Yes, it's been a few years. I think 2011 was the last time I went to to the Vegas race. So the track's changed a little bit. They said Kyle Busch was kind of talking about that course. He's from Vegas and was one there a time or two, but uh, you know the it, it was different a few years ago. They had just repaved the track, but now it's kind of getting a little more worn. Which means what what it actually means is there it, there's more choices in terms of the groove to run. It's not a, a one groove racetrack, so uh, that makes the the racing a little more interesting. If you can you know go high, go low, whatever works the best. 
So uh, looking at who won last year, uh, William Byron, Kyle Larson, our two winners of Vegas last year, uh, 2022, Alex Bowman, Joey Logano. So those are the guys who've won there since we went to the next-gen car. All right, so the Pennzoil 400, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Sunday, 1.30 on Fox TV. So do you have all the info from last week? Yes. Uh, okay. So, uh, Fred, you picked Denny Hamlin last week. He finished 23rd. Jim, you picked Joey Logano. He picked. He finished 28th. And Buckeye picked William Byron, who finished 17th last week in uh, Georgia. Okay. So, so what, it doesn't look like any points were awarded this, this week. <laughs> So, kind of a push as far as the points. Is pretty fine. much, yeah. Exactly. So uh, what's did he leave an order for you? Who's picking in which order? Uh, I guess just, I guess you, uh, Fred, you, Jim, and I guess I'll pick for Buckeye. Pick, okay. Fred, go ahead. Oh, gosh. I think I'm going to go with a guy who's, who's come very, very close. And uh, and like we said, is from Las Vegas. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Kyle Busch. I'm going to take Ty Reddick. Uh, mm, that was going to maybe be my pick. Uh, well, too bad. I know. I know. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. Okay. So those are our picks for this week. All right. Don't forget the races Sunday in Las Vegas, uh, 1.30 our time on Fox TV. Fred, enjoy the race and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Jim. All right. There he goes. Screaming out of the pits. It's NASCAR, Fred. <laughs> All right, so uh, coming up tomorrow, Cake will be back. Yes. And uh, we'll look, look back at Fruit Monument, Eagle Crest. Hopefully we're talking about a trip to the Final Four for the Wildcat Boys basketball team. And uh, so we'll, we'll have uh, that game. Don't forget tonight, Fruit Monument, Eagle Crest, 6A, Grade 8 from the Denver Coliseum. And a pregame at 515, tip-off at 530 for that one. Then it'll be followed by the Nuggets and the Miami Heat in a rematch of last year's NBA Finals. 730 for that one tonight. Jason Kosminski on the team. Jim Rome's coming up next for Cake. I'm Jim. Enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, thanks for having us on and having us part of your day right here on the Team Sports Network online at theteam1340.com.